Honestly, this is fine with me. Knowing things means more work. Well, I for one knew it was a party the whole time. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. I did. Then why were you crying? I just, uh, it, it was cold in there. I've got sensitive corneas. I told you. <laughs> I challenge you all to a duel. Pick your weapons. I pick the mine. Get out of here, Q. No, we are done with random stuff today. We're not dealing with any of your Q bullshit. Oh, simple play, Mariner. I want to put humanity to the ultimate test. Okay, I'm not French. No, go find Picard. Oh, Picard. He's no fun. He's always quoting Shakespeare. He's always making wine. Welcome to Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. I am one of your hosts, Johnson Lee, and with me is Mike. Mike, say hello. Hi, Johnson. How are you today? I am exhausted. I spent uh, a lot of times outdoors today, walking, and I'm so tired. What about you? Wow. So you were outside exercising. This is yeah. uh, this is unusual for you. It is. Un- well, I had people over and they didn't want to be indoors. So I was like, all right, let's go somewhere. And then we ended up walking around Central Park, which is a block from me for the listeners who don't know where I live. Um, Central Park is a block away from me, but I don't go there. Like I, I'm not an outdoor person. I think I go to Central Park probably once to twice a year. So we basically just meandered around the whole park. And I was like, where are we going? Is there some sort of goal here? Is there a destination? And they're like, no, we're just wandering around. I'm like, all right, that's fine. You know, you're you're my guest in the city. I mean, they live in Queens, whatever. But I'm like, uh, sure. okay. you're my guest in the city. So tell me where you want to go. And then I really had to pee. Like, and it was, it, it started getting desperate. But we went to one of the restrooms in the middle Central Park. And there was a line so far down i was like this is not happening so basically we basically just rushed back to my apartment and you know i relieved myself here anyway i'm sure all the listeners want to know all the details but basically i'm exhausted i mean that is very (laughs) that is very detailed (laughs) it's a lot of details that is a lot Uh, of detail but i mean to your to your point for a while no public restrooms were open so if you went out you kind of had to plan for that yeah no it's like a journey so right What'd you do today? I caught up on some work. My, my week was crazy and I got, uh, I still had stuff to do. And so I spent doing that. I worked this morning and this afternoon. So this morning um, I was asleep, as you know, I woke up yes. at 1230. <laughs> yes. You, yeah. I was already done one job, my second job by the time you woke up. Yeah. I was tired. I went to bed at four. Why did you go to bed at four o'clock? Because I didn't start working out till one thirty. <laughs> <laughs> My hours are so crazy. I don't know. It's it's insane. But whatever. And what what did you do? Is your gym your gym is not open that though that late? Yeah, I'm just working out inside the apartment. Okay. Yeah, because the gym is only open till ten forty five, and that's not late enough for me right now. Right. So. But yes, exhausted. But we are here anyway. Yes, we I'm are pres- here I'm because present. yes, we're here to talk about Star Trek, which we love, and yeah. to to give you some updates on our lives here in New York City. Um, so let's get started. How about uh, Johnson? You tell us a little bit about what you Star Trek this week. Yeah. So I'm still making my way through enterprise so i'm in season three of enterprise so that's the whole zindi arc i'm chugging along you know there were some like really random episodes in this season and i don't know there's always like i I feel this happens almost in every starter series and i really don't need i really don't need it to happen discovery but they'll like time travel or there'll be some weird human colony and like there, I just watched this episode. Like, they there's like this mysterious human colony in the expanse, and it's a western. Like there are cowboys. Like I'm just like, what is happening? 
And spoilers for those of you that didn't watch this episode, the episode's called North Star. And essentially what happened was there's a there's around like five, six thousand human humans on this planet, and they're all living as if they were in the mid-20th century. And essentially they were abducted by aliens in the like 1950s or whatever. And they were brought to this other planet and as, as slave labor, uh, but they overthrew their alien overlords. And then they, the aliens end up becoming like the second class citizens on the planet. And for whatever reason, the society remained like in 20th century, like mid 20th century mode for 300 years. So you have these 200 years, whatever, whatever time frame enterprise takes place. I think it's 200. Uh, so yeah, it's just like they arrive, like the enterprise arrived on this, on this planet and they're like, what's happening? And it's basically a chance for the writers to write a Western, like, or write an episode that takes place as if it was in the wild, wild west. And I'm like, I don't need these kind of episodes in my life, you know? So, so by, so would it be the mid 20th century or would it be the mid 19th century? Because we're talking 20th century, the 1900s. 19, oh, all right, the early yeah. 1900s. Yeah, not early, not. oh yeah, well, maybe it's 1800s. Okay, whatever. I don't, I I don't know the, when I, they were abducted. I don't remember when they were abducted, whatever. I would say- Maybe it's probably, 1850s. Oops. Yeah, I, I think, yes. Yeah. So I think it's, it was the 19th century because 19th century. otherwise the 1950s would be like the beginnings of TV, yeah, modern yeah. housewife, yes. you know, all of those, you know, madmen type. Thing. You're correct. You're correct. Yes, so, 19th century. So, yes, yes, 1800s. They were abducted from the 1800s. So anyway, it was fun. so not a not a highlight episode for season three of Enterprise. For no, you. it was like one of these like random mystery of the week. What's going on of the week? Kind of episodes that doesn't really have much of a payoff. Okay, all but, right, and it's it's just a excuse for them to use like the western setup in the paramount lot or whatever i don't know you know yeah it's like oh it's already there i might as well use it you know so um so i'm still making my way through enterprise i also i was cleaning the apartment and i just turned on 2009 star trek jj star trek and i watched it i mean i'm clean i'm cleaning i'm cleaning and then i just decided to sit down and watch the rest and then that also happened with with Best of Both Worlds Part One, because I saw something in my newsfeed that was uh, anniversary celebration of Best of Both Worlds Part Two. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen Best of Both Worlds in so long. So I just decided to turn it on. I thought I have it in the background. Nope, I just sat down and watched it. So, <laughs> yep, that was, uh, that was another thing I started this week. But I think that is the extent of it. Yeah. What about you? I um, I did not. I don't. I haven't had a lot of time. I haven't had a lot of time to watch Star Trek lately. Uh, but I did today. Life is too busy. Life has been too busy. I did today. Kind of watch a bunch of low, rewatched a bunch of lower deck episodes. So um, just kind of put it on in the background, watched it, laughed at a few things, um, and mm. uh, also rewatched uh, the episodes that we're going to talk about today. So, yes, I, um, I watched, I rewatched the episodes that we're going to discuss today. All right, good. So, so we're, they'll be fresh in our minds for that. But otherwise than that, I don't have any Star Trek. Really, I haven't had any time to go back and kind of, I'd really like to watch the Deep Space Nine panel, uh, just because that is one of my favorites, um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but other than that, uh, I, I doubt the Discovery panel had anything of any... Um, well, they can't spoil anything. So right. it's like, what in, can you talk about? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm excited to see the, the new characters in Discovery. Um, so we'll we'll take a deep dive. That is only, by, at this time of recording, only a couple of weeks away. So I know. I'm excited. I am too. I'm really excited for Discovery. Although I'm, I'm, I'll be sad that, this, that uh, Lower Decks is ending. But I will. I'm super excited for Discovery because we've waited so long for this. So it's long. been a while. I will also miss Lower Decks because the thing about Lower Decks is that it is just so fun and so rewatchable. 
and it doesn't take itself too seriously. So it's easy to just pick up. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Discovery is good, but it does take itself very seriously. And sometimes like, you know, you need to be in the right mood. Um, while it's something like Lower Decks, it's like you can just, you know, flip on and watch anytime, you know? Yeah. And I mean, so. and, you know, I could have, I, I considered for a moment going back, continuing my Voyager rewatch, my Voyager rewatch. However, um, I decided I didn't want to pay too close of attention to what I was watching. And I wanted to make sure that I was just kind of had some fun, funny characters in the background. And honestly, like, I can't really get enough of Tani Newsom as Mariner. I really can't. She's so good. Uh, she is, yeah. She is. I mean, actually, just like, so I really like all of them. Yes. To be honest, yeah. But Tony Newsom does really stand out. And and I'm glad she's got top billing on the on the credits and everything because I really do think that she she uh, leads this cast. And um, so yeah, so it's uh, yeah, that's really all that I've uh, Star Trek uh, this week, which was today prior to 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 uh, us recording. So. Cool. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add to this right right now. Well, I mean, with that being said, do you want to spill the Trek and talk about these two episodes of Lower Decks? Yeah, let's spill some Trek on Lower Decks episodes Great. seven and eight. Uh, visiting Captain No, so lame. I figured you'd love a break from our usual guys. Uh, subcaps never know what they're doing. They're all like, buffer the phase coils. And we're like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I don't want some babysitter Jellicoe type hovering over us when we're already going to a bog planet, which is like the worst kind of planets as far as planets go. Bogs are actually fascinating. So let's start with episode seven, Much Ado About Boimor. So Mike, what did you think about this episode? I, I enjoyed episode seven. I enjoyed the, um, and cringed at the same time. I enjoyed and cringed with the Mariner part of this episode. So, and let me tell you why I cringed because yes, she please elaborate. was, yeah, I mean, so this is the, uh, episode about the babysitter captain who actually mm-hmm. turns out to be one of her friends. Yeah. And actually one of the best quotes she has in the show is like, she, at the beginning, she's like not looking forward to this because she doesn't want some Jellico type yeah, babysitter okay. captain. And that was just great. I mean, because, uh, and I actually, I think you really liked Jellico. I do not, I did not like Jellico at all. Oh, I'm, not, I'm fine with Jellico. I'm not, I, mean, I don't really feel strongly about him either. Way. I, I, I do feel strong. I did not like him in Next Gen. Um, he just had but, a different command style. A very drastically different command yes, style. Yes. Uh, so I I was cringing because she had she, her best friend was there, you know, best friend from right. academy who's a captain already. And yeah, uh, I was kind of dubious about that. I'm like, it it takes a while to become a captain. Like, I don't understand, but whatever. Let's just. Well, I think so. Yeah, that's a, Yeah, I, I agree that the timing seems weird, and here's why because. You know, if we go back through this series, Boimler and Mariner have been friends for about a year and served together. Mm-hmm. So she's been an ensign for about a year. When we meet her, when we meet, when we arrive at the Cerritos with Tendi, right? As right. kind of the entry to this series. So they've been together for a year as ensigns. I don't think that she's, obviously she hasn't been that upfront about her history. Like, Obviously, she's served on five starships. She's had multiple adventures. She's gotten stabbed yeah. and wounded several times. So we've learned a lot about Mariner, Mariner's career. We don't. We just don't know how long it's been. She was a spy with the Klingon. You know, all of these different things mm-hmm. that she's done. So uh, met the Ferengi in that episode. Right. So she's she's had a lot of meetings, and she's kind of this. Ad- I, I would almost compare her to Indiana. She's the Indiana Jones of Starfleet. Like, without the archaeological bit, but she's kind of like the get into trouble, get out of trouble, like, help people get out of trouble, kind of, like, have have fights and do the tough stuff. And mm-hmm. um, so she's had a pretty wide career. So I'm not surprised that, you know... I'm imagining that that would have taken a couple of years. And, I you know, someone who's outstanding like obviously her friend became captain and probably got some opportunities that um, came up in career. I mean, 
trying to think uh you know obviously wolf 359 opened up a lot of career tracks or maybe the dominion war or that see it more important yeah right. more importantly i think more more recently more recently we're looking at time war opened up you know a lot of people yeah Yeah. um so i think that that's the timeline that we're kind of living in um is the acceleration to captain if you're a really good officer and so i cringed at how she was reacting to or acting you mean when around. she was when she was kind of doing poorly on purpose? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was weird too. And I mean, you know, when I was watching the episode, I was like, I don't understand why she's performing so poorly. And obviously, at the end, she kind of reveals that she's doing it on purpose. But I don't know why she just didn't tell her friend, "Look, I'm not interested in you know being part of your crew long term. I'm fine helping you for now, but." That could have been a conversation and we wouldn't have had this episode. Um, but maybe they want the drama. Yes, I think that the drama is the important part of it. But also I think that Mariner is not this kind of person who kind of, count, you know, would have that heart to heart with her friend. But I think it's also weird that she would mess up on purpose like that. Personal, because she, I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I feel that she has a lot of pride and it's just, you know, I'm, I can, you know, I'm not, I would say very egotistical, but when it comes to my work, I definitely take pride in my work and it would be weird. Like it, I would not be okay. Like messing up on purpose, you know, like that's just a little bit odd to me. So I feel um, like that's her MO though. I feel like that's, you know, she, she does, she wants to be the captain of her own fate. And I think that she has so many people in her life that have tried to direct her one way or another. And certainly having a captain and an admiral as parents in Mm -hmm. Starfleet, you know, gives her a leg up and maybe she's really just trying to do this on her own. And I, and I think that that comes up in moist vessel when they're arguing, like she wants to do things her own way. Doesn't need her. Yeah, no, I I, I don't disagree with that. I just think that, I've, the thing is, she's not also one to beat around the bush. You know what I mean? She's very honest. So if she's not interested in potentially joining, I don't remember her friend's name, unfortunately, like, you know, the crew of the, the Oakland. Oakland. The Oakland is the ship that her friend commands. I feel like she wouldn't put on this whole charade. It's like so much work to like have to like actually mess up on purpose, to be honest. Actually, I th- I, for her, I don't think it's much work, to be honest. I think it's it's how she operates now that it's so easy for her to do this, that it would, yeah. it's actually hard for her. Well, no, it it takes a... a s- like she needs to think about it. She was like, oh, I need to leave the tricorders in the transporter room and purposely mess up. Yeah. Or look true. stupid. Or, you know, she'll let, uh, you know... like make it seem like I don't know how to use these magnetic boots like you know like you have to think about how to actively mess up yeah that's true I don't I I agree with you now yeah that but the thing is yes if if she was just clear-cut and to the point at the beginning we wouldn't have the episode you know we wouldn't have drama. so yeah so that's the Mariner storyline which I actually enjoyed better than the Boimler storyline and the dog storyline Yes, the one thing I did like about this episode is that you get Boimler and Tendi kind of sharing the same plot line. So even though they don't do that much together, at least they change up the dynamic a little bit so that Mariner's kind of doing her own thing. I mean, Rutherford had nothing to do in this episode, really, except with the transporter thing. But at least you get kind of Tendi and Boimler in kind of the same boat. So I thought that was at least changing the formula. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I agree. It was a change of the formula for sure. Uh, the dog, I had no interest in the dog, really. The dog was kind of weird and kind of freaky and uh, just... It was, ran- it was kind of random. Random, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, going on about the Osler, which was a very unique looking starship that didn't look at all like a starship. It looked like no, some alien vessel and the Adosian captain or, or officer who... Yeah, when they first show the osler i thought it was like an alien vessel i thought it was an alien ship right until yeah. they talked with it and then you figured out it's the division 14 ship 
Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely looked like an alien ship, and till you see the side of it, and it says NX right, right. something or other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, and obviously the Adosian officer is a throwback to the animated series where they had. An, obviously, I've never seen the animated series, so. Yeah, and I have only seen a couple of the episodes recently, so I haven't really gone back and watched it since I was probably a kid. But there was uh, a bridge officer that was Dozian, right? Yes, he replaced Chekhov for whatever reason. Oh, Chekhov wasn't in the animated series. Oh, odd. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so definitely a different dynamic in this episode as far as the changeup of that. The only thing, the only other thing that I think is really of note is the uh encounter space jellyfish. point what uh, oh you were saying say, i said space jellyfish yes the, and you the, said the, encounter point. yes essentially bringing back the whole scene from encounter at far point where the physical ship becomes an alien ship yes um so yeah that was definitely felt like a callback i don't know i don't know if Mike McMahon ever said specifically, but that's definitely a callback to Encounter. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, Holy. so yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I, you know, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, in the end, we, you know, at the end, we do get to see Mariner kind of come clean about not wanting to leave and to kind of figure out as a lower decker what she wants her life to be, which, uh, continue you i know. like that yeah i like that that is her her style of when when it comes to her starfield career like it's very different from the traditional climbing the hierarchy kind of approach you know like you you move up from being an ensign to a lieutenant or whatever whatever you know like that's very typical so i do like that she kind of goes to the beat of home drum and you know she doesn't care about her title Right, like I, I really do like that, and she feels that she has this freedom to kind of explore who she is, and to figure out what she's passionate about by just being an ensign. I did a repeat, you know, that's something that I really do in some ways, um, you know, relate to. In that sometimes I can be very focused on my title and like my career path and whatever, whereas for Mariner, she, you know, it's it's less so about her title and more so making sure that she's doing the right move for what she wants to do. So I thought that was great. Yeah. She, and she, and she strikes me as someone who's kind of like a Jane Bond, like a James, a female James Bond. She, Mm -hmm. she really does well in these like intense situations. Yeah. Like regular day to day stuff does not interest her, but uh, when you get into this intense part of, of things, she that's where she kicks ass. Yeah, yeah. And when, uh, I when think, there's like danger or people's lives are at stake, you know, she figures that out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that that, that so that's kind of surprising. I mean, we obviously need her as part of Lower Decks, but I think that you know you can sort of foresee or it foreshadows possibly her going into section 31 or, you know, something along those lines where well, she's done some, you know, behind the scenes spying, obviously mentioned, you know, the Klingon uh, that she worked with for a while. And she's, so she's done some undercover work. And I think that I'm surprised that she didn't kind of stick with that. Cause that's kind of feels like her area, but we'll see. Let's see where she kind of yeah. goes. Uh, from there so um so yeah uh do we want to give it a rating uh on our have we been keeping track of this is the question i don't think so i don't think we gave episodes um what episodes like five and six i don't think we maybe yeah yeah i mean i would give it if i had to rate it though i would give it like an eight yeah, I would agree like, with you. I, I, thought, like, I thought it was like very good. So let's talk about episode eight, Veritas. Captain, Captain, someone is replacing everyone in the ship with imposters who claim not to know me. We might be in a parallel dimension. And you are? Uh, wait, is this, is this not the Cerritos? This is the Alhambra. Did you get on the wrong ship? F- they all look the same. Who the hell was that? Johnson, what did you think about Veritas? Yeah, so I really liked episode eight. I thought that, first of all, you know, I, I know I complained about 
you know, the dynamic and the, the way in which some of the episodes are kind of getting very formulaic in our last recording. I feel that seven and eight were both good responses to, it, it was like Mike Mann heard me from a future and he anticipated that I would feel that the show was starting to get formulaic and he would, you know, change episode seven for me and then really change it up in episode eight. So I really liked that episode eight was just completely different. Like you had all four ensigns in the same room. They all had to, and the, and the structure, story structure was completely different. In fact, it was so different like that it was, always, it was almost like throwing out the formula of what they've used so far. And it was taking on this whole like courtroom, like very classic Star Trek courtroom. Everyone's kind of recounting their stories. And I think that we've probably had a courtroom episode in every series. More, more or less. Sure. The setting of this one, though, I felt like was a recreation of Star Trek VI. The Undiscovered. Well, country. at least the Klingon court. Yeah, it totally felt like the Klingon courtroom. Courtroom, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just really liked how you got the perspectives from each of the ensigns and they basically each had like a small piece of the bigger story. And even at the end though, there were still so many uncertainties and lack of, literally lack of clarity. I know that they made fun of it in the episode about Captain Freeman just not offering clarity, but you st- there's still so many unanswered questions like in regard to what the bigger story was. Like for example, with Rutherford, why, you know, how did he end up on go- the Gorn planet at, the, at a Gorn wedding, but it was never even explained, you know? They were just like, why is there a Gorn wedding in your story? And he's like, I don't know, it just happened. Like, but you have no idea, there's just no explanation. Um, but just the number of moments that were just funny or montage like montage moments like easter eggs things like that i i just really enjoyed a lot of it i really liked um i really liked rutherford's uh segment because there's so many things like so many things happened like in between his blackouts like going to this vulcan museum to kill to steal this ancient romulan bird of prey and it's like, what's happening? And then Tendi, Tendi, obviously, her story connected a lot of the dots because she wanted this undercover mission, but certain, certain details had to be redacted. So that was really funny. Like, she can review everything, but at least she started to get, like, what it was. And then, you know, Boimler kind of does a great job kind of tying it all together. And he's like, look, like, we're just telling you what we know, and there's a lot we don't know because this is, this is how it is. Like, we're lower decks. And we're just told what to do. And we don't know what we're doing, you know, why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and then I really liked when he was kind of giving his quote unquote testimony, where you get this montage of scenes of the senior officers. I, I really liked the segment of Dr. Tiana, where she's like, I think I'm in a parallel universe. No one recognizes me. And she was just on the wrong ship. Like, that was amazing. I, I love that. It was totally like, Dr. Crusher, like something's happening um, in the parallel universe. Someone's, or she was like, someone's replacing everyone. Like, you know, some alien, some alien presence is replacing everyone on the crew. Like some classic trope and nope, she's on the wrong ship. So there's just things like that. Obviously the Q cameo, even though it was like really short, I thought it was great. It's just so random. Um, so yeah, there was, a, there was a lot to like in this episode, I would say. What about you? What'd you think? Yeah, I agree. It was a it was a great episode. Probably probably one of my favorites of the entire season, and uh, for all the reasons that you stated, uh, from everything from the way that the story was written to how you learn piece by piece what happened, uh, but you still don't know the whole picture, which is exactly how Lower Decks works. Uh, you know, the Q piece was hilarious, especially at the end when they were all just done with all yeah, the they bullshit no that they it. had yeah. to put up with. And they were like, forget you, Q. Go bother someone else. And he kind of chases after them and says, Picard's no fun. He's just off making wine now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was, uh, that was really fun. Um, you know, the the memorable part about Tiana's uh, visit to the wrong ship was, uh, for me, it was the Shaq's Butch 
lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> but then Mariner and Boimer were like bugs. Yeah. Like, they yeah, were like exactly. bug species. I was like, yeah. what's happening? It's so great. Yeah. So it was just kind of funny. Uh, that was really humorous. Uh, but my favorite part of the whole episode really was Boimler. Uh, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Mariner fan, but Boimler really took center stage at the end of the Oh, episode. yeah, they totally gave Mariner less to do here, and it was more actually everyone else. It was everyone else, yeah. But more importantly, the message at the end by Boimler, just about, like, calling the sham, a, you know, this trial a sham uh drum head and he drops the mic or the sub rosa reference the, yeah there are a lot of so funny but uh yeah. just the way he he kind of explained the whole situation and like took a stand he actually had some real balls in that episode and uh that's what i really enjoyed the most was kind of his little mini probably a one minute speech where he kind of told everyone off and said screw you this is uh this isn't our fault. This is a sham. And uh, then then the lights come up and everything is kind of explained as to what's going on. But uh, it's just, it's uh, it's really enjoyable. I'd probably, like right now, I'd, after we record, I would, if, if I didn't have to eat dinner or whatever, I'd probably go watch that episode again just because it's hilarious and fun. Yeah. Um, no, I really enjoyed it the second time because it really helps. Because the first time, honestly, is a little confusing when you watch it because you have so many disparate storylines. So when I watched it the second time and I actually knew what was happening, it was really helpful. So then I was able to be like, oh yeah, you know, like this part of the story fits into this part, you know? So I was able to actually kind of piece it all together. Yeah, so it's just, it was great. And then the captain at the end saying, oh, we can try to be more clear. I'm going to be Captain Clarity. And then <laughs> Mariner calls bullshit on that. And like they walk yeah. out and um, yeah. So it's just, it was a lot of fun. It was a great dynamic, really well-written episode. Just the way that they pieced it all together. And, but still there are a ton of gaps, a ton of gaps there, which uh is actually pretty hilarious and leaves a lot of room i think for you know for other little uh or i I think it sets the stage well for other potential like little pieces of um perhaps future novels or comics or any you know extra universe kind of stuff where they can kind of fill in the dots or just do something similar to like that as well um, it just totally highlights the point of view between the lower decks and the upper decks. Yeah. And uh, it actually also is a good callback to the original TNG episode because in that episode, it's something similar, right? Like there's this bigger story, like, you know, covert operation that the senior staff is aware of. But then each of these ensigns, they know like a little piece of it. You know, they, they don't know the whole story. They're, and, but they're all sworn to secrecy. They're all separately sworn to secrecy. So you have Nurfogawa. Like, she knows there's a Cardassian on the ship. But she doesn't know why. She, she doesn't know anything about why this Cardassian is there, you know. But she knows. And she can't say anything about it. So it's, it's very similar. It's actually a good callback to that original episode. Which maybe, you know, maybe we should pull up uh, the, the episode we did on Lower Decks that we recorded and maybe share it with our audience. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that was a while ago. Who that knows when while. that episode will see the light of day. But yes, that would be a good episode yeah. to eventually edit and have people listen to. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I would give that episode a nine, nine and a half for sure. Oh, yeah, I was going to say a nine. Yeah, I would yeah. I would probably really make good. that one of the top one or two episodes of the season so far. Yeah, it was great. We all joined Starfleet to dive headfirst into the unknown. We're explorers. Of course we don't always know what's going on. Did Picard know about the Borg? Did Kirk know about that giant Spock on Phylos? Did Dr. Crusher know about that ghost in the lamp thing from the Scottish planet that she hooked up with that one time? That whole thing. You clearly want us to say that the captain and her crew messed up, but we simply don't have the full story, and that's the truth. Whatever they did, I guarantee you it was all for good. You have shown no evidence that they're guilty of a crime. In fact, I find you guilty of trying to take them down with this sham of a trial. Drumhead! So 
Mike, other than Star Trek, what else have you been watching, binging, reading? Well, so I've uh, jumped on the Raised by Wolves bandwagon. Yes. Wait, what episode uh, are you on? I am at the beginning of episode five. So, okay. Uh, so I'm... spoilers for people who are watching Raised by Wolves, the new HBO Max series from Really Scott. So what do you think so far? I'm enjoying it. I think it's uh, really uh, different. It's well-written. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little slow sometimes, I have to say. Well, yeah. Well, I think that, again, it's, uh, yeah, it is It is slow at times, but it's uh, also, it's it keeps my interest because it's not, it's not a story that you can kind of, that you've ever heard before. Like, it's, it's original. Yeah. Like, I really have to say that the originality, I mean, sure, parts of it are very tropish and very sci-fi-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, colonizing this planet that you think is empty and clearly it's not and you're not sure why. And I clearly don't know why yet because I'm only in episode five. But, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I think it's really well-written and very original. My only drawback to this is, uh, you know, I enjoyed Vikings, the series. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really thrilled that the actor who played the lead Viking for three and a half, four seasons is the main villain of this kind of, he's got a very distinctive look and I don't remember mm-hmm. his name, but. Uh, I don't remember his name, to be honest, either. I've never seen Vikings, but I knew he was on Vikings. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, and I enjoyed him on Vikings when I watched it. Um, I never, I don't think I ever completed the series, to be honest, uh, mainly because there was such a large gap. Once there's a, and that's the thing about all these original shows, if there's a really large gap, mm-hmm. I'm less inclined to kind of go back to it, especially as newer stuff comes out. It's just hard. I mean, you know, honestly like working two jobs and having a life outside of all of that it's hard to fit into a lot of tv so you kind of have to pick and choose and that's sort of probably that definitely happened to vikings and but bringing it back to raised by wolves that's my least favorite part of this i i like his wife or you know his fake wife whatever Mm um however you want to look at it uh but at the end of season, as the end of episode four is when he kind of becomes the emperor or... Um, like he starts getting visions. He saw a vision, yeah. but he also, they kill the, or they... Oh they yeah, the, the other... The I don't head know, of eminence. the church or Your eminence, I don't know what his name is. So basically now this church is being led by a heretic, essentially. Right, right. Um, which is really interesting. So... Um, but there, what is interesting is that both he and his wife have fallen in love with the son, right? Who is their surrogate son, right? The son of the people that they took over their bodies, not their, they got reconstructed and became. So that's sort of interesting, uh, to me anyway. So there's a lot of little pieces to it. I'm just not super thrilled by the acting choice, but um, that's neither here nor there. That's just a personal personal thing about that. So, um, but so I'm really enjoying it. But that's what I'm watching outside of that. I haven't um, I haven't started anything else because I've got kind of that going. Uh, we've got uh, British Bake Off that's starting up on Netflix. So I've got plenty to watch right now um, for what little time I have to watch it. So what about you? You. You've already well. You're you're well ahead on Raised by Wolves, if not caught up. If not, is the series? Yeah, over so I'm yet? caught up. I'm caught up to episode nine. So I'm a little bit ahead of you. I'm very yeah. ahead of you. Um, I'm still enjoying it. Like I was saying, it can get a little bit slow so, sometimes. Yeah, especially if you're just seeing them kind of like wander around. Um, there's there gets to be a little bit more of that as yeah. the series progresses. Right. I do really appreciate though that it's an original story and it's not based on a book or graphic novel it's just its own thing um and i think given that nowadays which it's rare uh but it's also you know the fact that it's such an original premise um 
and the way that's being executed is really sharp. I think it's really good. I, I like it a lot. So I'm watching that. I'm still watching The Boys on Amazon. I'm an episode behind. Are you going to watch The Boys? I will. Yeah, I will definitely watch it. I just haven't fit it into the rotation yet. Well, yeah, you're busy. So, yeah, so I'm still watching The Boys, still really enjoying it. Um, I Oh, did you, did you watch more of Away or did you not? No, I'm still, yeah, so that's the other series that I, I mean, okay. I'm, I think I'm up to what we talked about previously. So I haven't oh, watched, okay. any, yeah, I haven't watched anything new. Okay. So, yeah. So, yes. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, and also I'm, I'm still watching Lovecraft Country on HBO. And I am going to give that a try. I'm going to watch the first episode. I've been seeing a little bit more about it or hearing a little bit more about it, just generally not anything specific. And Yeah, um, you should definitely. So. I mean, I will give it maybe two episodes, uh, but it's it's still really good. I loved the most recent episode. I'm not, I can't say anything about it because I don't want to spoil it. But yes, um, I, I'm still really liking that. There's actually a lot in my rotation, I guess. Um, and then this is not a show that I'm watching right this second, but I mentioned it to you. So in the last two weeks, Netflix announced that they are working the double Ds from Game of Thrones, Dan Weiss and David Benioff um, to bring the three body problem uh, to series. So I got really excited about this. You were like, I don't know what this is. But it is a book series written by a Chinese author, uh, Liu Shixin, I think is his name. But he, it's a trilogy. And it was written, I think, in the early 2010s. And The Three-Body Problem, the first book in the series, was actually on Obama's best of list. Um, so he was a big fan. But essentially, this series chronicles humanity's first encounter with aliens. I'm not going to spoil too much, um, but it is really interesting because this author takes a super high level approach to the science of just physics when it comes to actually what, a, what an encounter with a completely alien species looks like. The author has a really interesting theory when it comes to the solution to the Fermi paradox. So the Fermi paradox is essentially, hey, if there are alien civilizations out there and we're talking about time spans that are billions of years, right? Why haven't we detected anything from these alien civilizations? Whether it is a stray radio wave or some signal or anything, right? Like why is it just silence? Um, especially given the length of time that we're talking about when civilizations rise and fall. And if you have all these sentient species out there that might be trying to communicate with other species, why are they, why are we, why do we not hear anything given how much time, you know, we are talking about when it comes to the age of the universe, we should at least hear something. We should be able to see something like it should really be evident, you know, um, and there are some theories about this out there. It's just like, oh, like, you know, most civilizations probably don't even get to the point where they can send out like radio signals or EM signals that other civilizations can hear. Maybe they, maybe timeframes aren't, just aren't intersecting. Maybe they're too far apart. Like there's all these um, theories, but um, one of the theories, and this is for those of listeners that don't want to know anything about this trilogy, um, this is a slight spoiler, but it's not super, a super big spoiler. But if you want to not hear it, just skip the next minute. Um, but and, and Mike, are you okay if I talk about this? It's not a big spoiler. Yeah, it's fine. I, I mean, the, the audio book is super long, so I don't know if I'm going to, when or if I'll dig into it. But I have heard about it, so I do, I, I'm curious what the, what this is about. Yeah, so this isn't actually in the first book. It's actually in the second book, but his hypothesis as to why we haven't heard from other species is this idea of that is, is this idea that the universe is a dark forest so the whole pot the whole analogy is say you know you're in the forest right and you have your own equipment you have 
your own resources. Like you have a backpack of water and food, right? And you know there are other people in this forest. You don't know where they are. Uh, but what do you do? If you're, if you're in survival mode and you have limited resources, what do you do? Do you scream and be like, hey, I'm here? Or do you kind of stay quiet, right? So it's this idea that if you're a civilization on a planet with limited resources, do you want to broadcast and tell everyone out there, hey, we're here, you know, come, come find us? Or do you want to stay quiet and not say anything? Because you're afraid, you're concerned that if you just broadcast this idea that, hey, we're here, come find us, the pessimistic perspective here is that another civilization will come and want your resources versus a more altruistic perspective, which is, oh, like, you know, like if there are civilizations, if there, are, if there is another civilization out there, they'll want to share resources and be mutualistic, you know. So his, he posits that, no, like if there really are other civilizations out there, they're not going to want to let everyone know they're out there because there's this threat that you don't know who these other people, you know, you might be in this forest and there might be crazy people out there. And the first thing that they'll want to do is take your backpack and kill you, you know, because they'll just want your stuff. Interesting. I, yeah. I actually thought that you were going to, that your explanation would be like, this is not unlike looking for a needle in a haystack, except in this case, the needle is a molecule of a needle and oh the, yeah well that's part of it too of, you know the vastness of space is so much bigger than we can even comprehend that even though we're broadcasting out there or whatever we're searching it's just an incredible vast amount of space that oh yeah no, no that's way. definitely part of it yeah, yeah. um so. but he explores kind of the the psychology of sure you know, whether you even want to, will you even want other people to kind of know you're here, right? Right, yeah, um, sure. Interesting. So, well, speaking uh, of other yeah. books, uh, I did, I do have some other things that I have been listening to um, and kind of in a rotation. But the first one I wanted to share about was um, Murder by Other Means by John Scalzi, which is a really awesome follow up to The Dispatcher. Uh, which he wrote a couple of years ago with Z and Zachary Quinto. So we have a Star Trek tie-in oh. right there. Uh, narrates both of these. The Dispatcher, essentially, just to give you a really brief idea of what this universe is like, is uh, uh, or this world is like, is that you can no longer kill someone because they come back to life. 999 times out of a thousand if you are killed you come back to life and you wake up naked in your home or your safe space so it's kind of an interesting, oh, interesting um so that that came out a few years ago he finally came out with a um follow-up to it to that which was really well done and i john scalzi is by far one of my favorite authors so uh, i definitely recommend picking up uh, through Audible, either well, first the Dispatcher, which has been out for a couple of years, and then Murder huh. by Other Means um, oh, is a great follow up. And I'm hoping for more from him. Um, he is by far my favorite, one of my favorite, if not my most favorite. Um, Are there like Torchwood Miracle Day implications from all this? No, they don't really get it. They don't. They don't explain the whole. Um, the whole reason behind it. They don't, they don't oh, explain it. The dispatch, the idea of the dispatcher is it's kind of a legalized killing force. Okay. So dispatchers can kill people. Um, and I don't remember the whole reason, but uh, he actually just, and I haven't watched it yet because I haven't had time, but he just did an interview with audible on, on the series. So that's one of the things I listened to. And the other thing I'm listening to is uh the Chronicles of St. Mary's uh, by Jody Taylor, which is a um, British, she's a British author. Um, I read her newest series, the first book in her newest series, Doing Time, um, a few months ago and decided to go back and listen to her original series about all these tra time traveling historians. 
Oh, okay. Um, so that's enjoyable. And I'm reading a couple of other nonfiction books, including uh, Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty and Divine Direction by Greg Groeschel and uh, also The Art of Gathering. So I've kind of got a bunch of, when I yeah. feel like I'm in a nonfiction mood versus a fiction mood. So I've kind of got- Well, you were concerned going into fall that you would have no Star Trek books to listen to. So it sounds Great. like I picked up a few other things. I did. Uh, and the Chronicles of St. Mary's has a lot of books in it. So I, if I do enjoy that, I will continue with that. Her second book in the Doing Time series is uh, yeah. coming out next month. Okay. So I'm still chugging stuff. along on Millennium. I'm still on book one. Book one. But I'm still reading it. All right. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing a little bit of reading in my walking or running running times when I'm not listening to podcasts and other things. So, Cool. Great. Well, there's off topic. Uh, how about we go see Counselor Troy for a little bit? Hey, Deanna. Come in. Hi. You got a minute? Sure. Cool. So, Mike, what's been going on? Well, I mean, it's been a really busy time uh, in our lives. I mean, we've got some family members in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I went in for a checkup and ended up in the ER yesterday. Probably um, unnecessarily, but definitely yeah. unnecessarily. But I um, went in for a checkup, and I needed some paperwork filled out, and for another thing that uh, is going on. But uh, my doctor overreacted to something I shared and um, sent me to the ER to get emergency blood work done. So, and that was a what four or five hour journey. That was a five-hour plus journey. Uh, not the ERs are the ERs are the worst. It's like so much waiting. It is a lot of waiting, but I will will say that it was um, the staff was amazing. Oh, good. You know, they were friendly, helpful. Um, you know, I went in and explained. You know, or I walked into the ER, uh, which is a unique idea, right? You walk, uh, and I told the nurse what was going on, and. And I said, well, my doctor said, you know what you got, you guys would know what to do. And she said, yep, we do. And Dennis and said it. that the ER doctor was cute. Dennis said that, yes. Yes. Yeah, Dennis said that. <laughs> Dennis said the ER doc was cute. I thought the nurse was cute. Okay. Um, okay. So although the nurse, uh, when putting the shunt in my vein, uh, put the shunt in and forgot to... Uh, take off the tourniquet and blood started pouring out oh god yeah so for for a couple of seconds or whatever and i i I looked down and saw that and then i looked away unfortunately the other nurse started asking me some questions and so i got to talking with her and let him clean it up and not didn't really want to think about what was going on over there oh god um so uh clearly a newer nurse but he was cute I would say newer, no, because he got it. He got it in at one. It was oh. just a mistake of leaving the tourniquet on once the shunt was in. Okay. Um. So anyway, because uh, they needed to take a, a bunch of blood from me, so, um, yeah. But you're okay. But I'm fine. Right. Yeah, my you're blood fine. work came back fine. Um. So, but it was just a you know an unnecessary, you know, hundred dollar copay trip to the er and six hours of time total. yeah a lot of time um, a lot of time and so hence why i was working this afternoon uh to make up that time so yeah suboptimal uh, yeah suboptimal so that you know so besides you know that um there you know there's been a little bit of too much hospital drama in our lives yeah so we'll kind of leave it at that for now but um Hopefully, I was fine, and hopefully everything else will turn out fine as well. Mm. Yeah, hustle's um, no fun. Yeah, I mean, other than that, you know, things are moving along. I mean, we're both busy with work, and, uh, mm. you know, it just, uh, life continues. So, yeah. So, what about you? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Yeah, so in the past week, or maybe two weeks, I have started to try out Facebook dating so so, yeah i I don't know how popular it is but 
Um, it's only available, I think, on the mobile app, but there is like a dating like function within the Facebook app. Um, and I, I've known about it for a little while. I just, I've never heard of anyone talk about Facebook dating. And I was like, okay, why not? So I updated my profile and I started to swipe a little bit. Um, it's a little odd. Like, I, I, first of all, I don't know how many people are actually using Facebook dating. I, again, I've never heard of this before from anyone else. What's the uh, thought process behind this? Is it like people who are single who are friends of your friends? Yeah, yeah. So it's friends of friends. So okay. most of the time when you come across a profile, they'll say who you have in common friend-wise. So that's like the idea. I mean, that's actually the idea that Coffee Meets Bagel had. Um, I'm not sure if they, how successfully they pulled it off, but, you know, Facebook just decided to do it themselves. Right. Um, I mean, the thing I do like is that there's no paid aspect to it because, you know, mostly on these other apps, if you're on like Tinder or Bumble or Hinge or whatever, there's usually like some sort of premium option that you can pay for so you can see who likes you, whatever. So there is none of that in the dating functionality within Facebook. So that I actually like because I don't like being hounded to upgrade or whatever. Like, right, like, yeah. Um, I mean, the only odd thing, though, is that I'm getting a lot of, like, Chinese people that only speak Chinese. So, I, you know, I don't really have much of a preference when it comes to race, but I do have a preference when it comes to language. So, yeah, I'll, I, have match, I have matched with some people that they'll be, they'll be here in New York, um, and I'll message them, and they'll respond to me in Chinese. I'm like, oh, I don't even know what they're trying to say. Because for our listeners, I am Chinese. However, my reading and writing skills is really poor. I can have a conversation. Like if I was to go to someone in Chinatown, like, and we start talking, I could have a conversation. My vocab isn't the best, but I can kind of figure out from context. I can, you know, I can get along um, and kind of figure things out. But I think the context writing. is that you, that you need to add is that you were born in America. Yes. So I'm an ABC and I'm an American born Chinese. So, you, you know, I was not born in Asian country. My parents are immigrants, but when we, you know, so I know how to speak because when I grew up at home, we spoke in Chinese, but I never had a need to read or write. Like that was never a thing. Like I, I didn't have to, I went to Chinese school, but when you go to Chinese school once a week and you don't really use it, like it, you know, it's, it's not gonna be something you retain. So yeah, anyway, so this guy messaged me in Chinese. I was like, uh, and I had asked him like, oh, how are you? And then he responded to me in Chinese. And I was like, I have no idea what he wrote back to me. And I had to like Google translate. I had to take a screenshot because you can't copy and paste the message. So I took a screenshot. I loaded the screenshot into the Google translate app. And then you highlight the characters you wanna translate. And he basically said, I'm doing well, how are you? I'm like, oh my God, that's how poor my Chinese reading skills are. So I was like, you know what, I, I can't, I can't. And he, he was actually really cute, but I'm like, I, I can't you know, be with someone that can't speak English. Like I, I need to be able to communicate with someone in English. Right, um, yeah. So yeah, no, and there were quite a few of those. So I ended up, um, because I didn't before, but I ended up in the language filters putting English must have because yeah, I don't know why I was getting all these matches to people who only speak Mandarin. Um, So anyway, that's the only thing that did that improve the results at all or no? Uh, I mean, it improved the results as in I got, I I have, I now have like no matches, but you know, but yes, there you go. Theoretically, (laughs) there you go. Sort of. Yeah. So theoretically it is functioning. Um, so right. that's the only update. Uh, you know, like I, I'm just trying out a new dating app and we'll see where it goes. Okay. So yeah. Well, there we go. Well, um, but that's it. Yeah. I think otherwise I'm okay. I think, um, I was telling some people at work that I'm kind of just feeling this like general malaise when it comes to the world and things like that. That is now I feel our new baseline. Um, I think I'm just trying to kind of combat that and continually putting things in perspective. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, I, I think 
things are pretty good. All right. Well, good. Yeah. Well, thanks so cool. everybody for uh, listening this week. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at deepspacepride at gmail.com. And on socials, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at deepspacepride. Cool. All right. So I guess next time we'll be talking about episode nine, maybe episode nine and 10. So we'll see how the, we'll see how, how, how our schedules of, go. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll be talking to you all soon. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, since we're talking about episodes nine and 10, that means that discovery is only three weeks away. So we yeah, will be yeah. coming to you weekly with our discovery thoughts and uh, everything uh, on Fridays, right after the episode has aired. That so, is the goal. Uh, so we will be on time and ready to go for for you to listen to us right after you watch Discovery. And we're definitely looking, both looking forward to that, not only for the characters, the new characters, and you know our favorites, Culber and Stamets, but uh, also the rest of the the crew, Saru, Tilly, Michael Burnham and everyone else so uh so yeah so check us out on fridays after discovery launches in just a few weeks yay excited all right well thanks everybody for joining us this week and uh reach out to us dm us at uh at our socials or send us an email we'd love to hear from you all right bye everyone have a great week everyone bye-bye Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you.